family, good morning. Just so excited to be here. And uh, just welcome. Thank you so much for worshiping uh, with us at Cross Point Community Church. And uh, uh, I hope you're doing well. We've been praying for you. And I, I hope that you have, uh, uh, you know, not only, I don't want to say adjusted, because I don't want us to adjust to something uh, of, of this nature. But uh, I'm looking forward to us time uh, a time where we can come back and worship together. Uh, but I hope that you're doing uh, good during this time. And like I said, we are definitely praying for you uh, uh, through, through this transition and through this time that we're going through as a country and as a nation. So I want us to uh, just look this morning as we continue in our series of Who is King. I want us to turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where we'll be at again uh, this morning. We were there last week uh, looking at the first 13 verses. And we're picking up in verse uh, 14. Uh, this morning. The title of our message in this sermon series of Who is King, the title this morning is God with us. God with us. And so hopefully we'll better see of how we see the Lord in and through our lives. And I want us this morning to really be able to examine our hearts and lives to see how we can walk with the Lord and how we need to lean in to him that we need to trust in the Lord. And so I'm really excited about our passage of scripture this morning. Uh, uh, me and Brother Jake, as we've been talking this week and just kind of looking at these verses and, and how it can bring such encouragement to us and how it should, and I hope and I pray that it will bring encouragement uh, to you this morning. Uh, as I think about last week, uh, I just want to say before getting into the text, how proud, how thankful, and how excited I was for our service last week. It was just such a blessing to my heart. Uh, for several different reasons. Uh, first of all, just being able to set up. I think the, I think the, uh, the family and the, just the whole situation of being able to set up in Nichols parking lot last Sunday. And uh, it was just a tremendous blessing to see all those cars uh, full in the parking lot last Sunday at Nichols. It really blew out our expectations uh, as far as what we, we thought was going to show up. And so we thank you for that. Also for the amount of views that we saw online. Last week, it was just, again, beyond our expectation. And so it was just very, I was just very, very thankful um, to Brother Jake and just the message that he shared with us last week. It was just so spot on. Uh, it was just so uh, encouraging. And I'm just thankful for him, his leadership. And uh, I'm just really excited about those things. Also, you as a church family, uh, just uh, your encouragement your help along the way. Uh, anything that we have asked you to do, you have done it, and uh, we're just very thankful for that. Also, just for our journey, it's been about two and a half years since we started the church. Uh, a lot of things, uh, you know, of, of getting us to uh, this point, and, uh, you know, it's something that we'll kind of look at this morning uh, going through our journey in life and, and a, a journey as our church that we've gone through so many different, uh, not only locations, but just uh, situations and trials. And how the Lord has brought us through those things and made us stronger and, and uh, um, more uh, encouraged in the Lord. So I'm very excited about our future. And so, uh, so as we look at this sermon, going back to the text this morning, but in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, when we pick up in verse 14, I want us to really just look at it. I want us to really listen. And I want us to really be able to apply it to our lives this morning, to really live it. And so as a church, Cross Point Community Church, and us as when we started, but even more so today, that our desire is for us as individuals, for us as families, 
for our church family to really walk in with the Lord, to really walk in his footsteps, to really uh, walk alongside him with it, him leading us and guiding us. And so I think of a couple of examples uh, this morning before we get into our first point. I think about our first. Uh, I think about some really great examples in the Old Testament, and it was the children of Israel. If you remember the story, and some of you may not be familiar with it, but you know when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, He lead, He takes Moses, and He uh, they go through the whole plagues with the with the uh, with the Pharaoh, and Pharaoh finally says, "Let my people go." And the children, uh, I mean, uh, Pharaoh says, uh, "The people can go." Moses said, "Let my people go." But so Moses takes the children of Israel. And, they're, and they leave out of Egypt, and they're on their way, and they have to, right before they cross over the Jordan, over the uh, Red Sea, excuse me, that you see that God gives them a promise. He says, by day, I'm going to give you a pillar of, of cloud, and by night, I'm going to give you a pillar of fire. It says, it says that in uh, Exodus 13. And so God's literally going to put it in the sky in this journey that he is going to give them a path for them to follow. Now for us, you know, and we'll get into this more uh, in, in just a few minutes, but you know, we, we would surely like that, wouldn't we? To be able to go through life and that the, it, it would be like the Wizard of Oz, the yellow brick road. All you gotta do is get back on track, get back on the yellow brick road. But God was literally putting it in the sky for them to see, not only in day, but also at night for the way that they should go. And you, if you would read closely in that scripture, you would see that God doesn't even bring them the fast, quick route to the promised land. God actually brings them a different route because he knew that in that early, at that early stages that they would lose sight, they would, be, they would go against the Philistines, and God actually brought them a longer way around just because he knew that the people would get discouraged and want to lose sight. Did they still get discouraged uh, the other way because of their disobedience? Yes, they did. But God had a plan for them. He was mapping it out for them. And it was because of their disobedience that they strayed. But God had a way for them to go that he was trying to lead them and guide them. I hope that we would see that way this morning for us. Also, you see Jesus there in the book of Luke uh, chapter 9, also in Matthew 16. You see Jesus on a clear path to Jerusalem. Jesus knew he was on a time a timeline, a timetable that he had set up by his Father. God in heaven had it set up when exactly Jesus was to be in Jerusalem for, as we celebrated last week, for that time of Easter, that time of Passover, the time for him to go to the cross and die for our sins and the sins of the world. And so you see Jesus on that path. And he was being led by his father. He was being led to know where he needed to go. And so you see in these passages of scripture that he, scriptures that he tells his disciples, I must go to Jerusalem. He was on his way. He was, again, being in tune with his father of uh, when and where he should be. Also, we see in Acts 16, the Apostle Paul, another example of going one way. Paul was dead set in Acts 16 that he was going to Asia. He was going to bring the gospel to that to, uh, to that nation or to that continent. And so he was going to Asia and and the Bible tells us in that vision, in that Macedonian call, that he, that the Macedonian is crying out to him, come bring us the gospel. And so, so Paul is on his journey going one way, and he's in tune with the Lord, listening to what God has, 
and God puts him on a different journey. And so I pray this morning that we would be in tune to the Lord in our lives. And one last, one last example that I really want us to get our minds wrapped around if we can, because it's really, really above who we are uh, as a people and just to be able to comprehend. But Jesus said in John 16, verse 7, he says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. Jesus said, while he was there in the physical body with his disciples, it is to your advantage for me to go away. Because when I do, the Father is going to send down the Holy Spirit to be inside of you, to live and dwell with you, to show you, to guide you. And for me, I wrote down in my notes, just it kind of blows my mind. And I really have question marks around the word better. I mean, Jesus in the physical body, of being there with us to be able to turn to him to our right to our left and say Jesus what should I do right now what should I do in this situation is this a good idea uh, is this a is is this where I should go and, and should I do these particular things but rather Jesus says it is to your advantage that you would have the Spirit of God inside of you the Holy Spirit himself so to lead you and guide you so as we look at this this morning we're finally going to get into that scripture in verse 14, we're going to see Saul here as this, you know, as we have had this title, who is king. We're finally transitioning to the life of David. And we'll focus more on him this morning. But it says in verse 14, and I want us to look at a couple of uh, uh, things here in verse 14, 15, and 16. It says, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a depressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And it says in verse 15, it says, And Saul's servant said to him, Surely a depressing spirit from God is troubling you. Now let our master now command your servants who are before you to speak to seek out a man, um, to seek out a man who is uh, who is skillful player of the harp, and it shall be that he will uh, play it with his hand when when the depressing uh, distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. And so Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. And so as, as we see these verses in verses 14 uh, through 17, we see what is going on really with Saul. And Saul, as you look through history and you look at different commentaries and people's thoughts throughout, throughout the ages, uh, was Saul a believer? And you don't really see Saul trusting in the Lord and, and now you see the Spirit of God giving him anointing him as far as being the leader over Israel and so that anointing was for a specific purpose and a specific task that God had for him as far as to lead the nation of Israel but you don't see Saul really trusting in him and, and that's really not really the point of the message this morning but I wanted to just see that how in verse 14 we see the troubling spirit that was from God. There may be things in our life this morning that we're really going through, that we're really uh, just as we're wrestling with things in our life that, you know what, a lot of times we'll, we'll try to give credit uh, to Satan or the things of this world versus maybe it's God doing something in our heart and life to really stir some things up within, within us for us to really seek the Lord. I think whatever situation Paul, Saul is in in his life, whether it's as an unbeliever or as a believer that has just really strayed and is at, in a place of compromise to the Lord, we see that the Lord is doing this to him in such a way for really 
him to see and turn to the Lord. The Lord always has a place uh, for us to really turn to him. And so this troubling spirit is upon him. Saul's servants, you see them. And, and I'm thankful for people around us that could really say, you know what? This is truly from God. God is the one that's bringing this upon you. And then you also see their advice. They give him advice to, uh, to say, you know what? This will help you to, to help this situation that God has uh, put upon you. And so you see Saul's response that he actually listens to them. And he says, do this what you have said to me. Please go and do this. Bring someone here to me. And so as we turn our attention to David, we see in our first point in his preparation. Okay, God is with us in preparation. And so as God is preparing David to be king, he anointed him in verse 13. It's the last verse that we saw last week, that he anoints David as king. Yet now we see David, where does, he, where does he go? He doesn't go straight to the kingdom. He doesn't go straight to that place. But rather, he goes right back doing what he was doing. He was going back tending sheep. And so at this point, David is not ready to be king. He's not ready. God is going to be the one that's going to prepare him. But God uses something great in his life. He uses his talent to be able to really shadow King Saul. And so you see this in verse 18. It says, then one of the servants answered and said, look, I have seen a son of Jesse, uh, the uh, Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech and a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him. And I, that really just excites me this morning because David is sitting there minding his own business, doing, he knows, he knows that God has anointed him to be uh, the next king. He goes back, he's, we'll see in just a second that he's, he is tending his sheep. He's, he's just going back to the, the, the job that he had. And some, so many times we think, you know what? Uh, I, I'm, I'm better than this. Or, or, you know, or we think that, that God doesn't know where we are, that God doesn't know our address. But I love this, that, that we see right here that God knew exactly where David was. And I believe David had a trust in God right here that he goes back and he's doing this and he says, God, I'm going to be listening and waiting upon the Lord to be able to lead me and guide me to where he wants me to be. And so and we see this in verse 18. In verse 19, it says, Therefore uh, 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 Saul sent messengers to Jesse, David's father, and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. And David is there just tending the sheep. He's still under his father's uh, rule. He's still in his father's home. And Saul sends for him. And this reminds me, uh, talking about just uh, sometimes we feel deserted by God. Sometimes we feel like, you know, God doesn't have our, uh, God doesn't know where we are, doesn't know our location. And it reminds me of Moses. When Moses was in, going back to that story, and Moses, a little bit before that, when he was, uh, of course, the prince of Egypt, and he's there, has all these things. And then, then he finds himself in a mess, and he finds himself running from, from Pharaoh, the king. And he flees, and he goes to this foreign land, and he's really on the backside of the desert, and he's there for 40 years. He, he grew up in Egypt for the first 40 years, I mean, just really uh, living high on the hog, and he, was, and, and he had all the riches, all these things. And now he's taking this next 40 years, and he's on the backside of the desert, 
and he's working for his father-in-law and he's there and that that of course gets us to the point of the place of the burning bush when he's there uh, with his livestock and then God reveals himself to him and tells him to go back and lead the children out of Egypt but it's on the backside of the desert that he's there for 40 years and you would think maybe God has forgotten him maybe God is not maybe God has just abandoned him and I'm surely Moses was thinking this is my life now when the whole time God was there preparing him for his next journey God knew exactly where he was and you see this in, in Exodus, Exodus chapter 2 and Exodus chapter 3 God was with him God was with Moses during that whole entire time and now we see in verse picking up in verse 20 and it says and Jesse took a donkey loaded it with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them to his son David saying him by his son David to Saul he sends this gift we'll get to that in a second so David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his arm armor bearer so in this place of preparation that God is preparing David to be king he sends David to be there right along Saul and when he meets Saul Saul is very thankful for David we'll see that in Scripture but David automatically I mean from the beginning he loved Saul and not only did he love him greatly it tells us in verse 21 but then he becomes his personal assistant he becomes his armor bearer he's the one that's going to if there's anything left to be finished anything that's undone for for Saul in this place at this time of battle this time of of um, uh, just a place of uncertainty David was going to be the one to finish those things he was going to be able to get a first-hand account of how all of these things are working and happening as far as in the life of the king you can see how just what God is up to and how he's molding things and putting all these things together and so many times this is really the text of the uh, this is really what these verses are about of how we easily lose sight when David has that anointing and he goes back doing the regular mundane day in day out job of tending his sheep of how he could have easily gotten discouraged but yet God is the one that puts his name in another man's mouth that it's in front of Saul and it says what about David let's go and get David and so he brings him in to so that David could be this man next to Saul to and God is preparing him to be king Saul in verse 22 wants him to be next to him he says he says then Saul sent to Jesse saying please let David stand before me for he has found favor in my sight you see that God is working out this relationship between them so that he could be brought in so that he could be close to Saul to learn these things and I think about in preparation and difficulties and all these different things I think about Joseph in the Old Testament he had a difficult road in preparations, uh, Joseph did. His brothers laughed at his promise. He, he had promised something that was going to happen down the road. And let me mention really quick about a promise. When we really get into that, and, just, and that's our, our next point, I'm giving that away. But before you start clinging to promises, that's one thing for us to pray about certain things. But I can think about people uh, that are maybe going through, uh, maybe, maybe it's, it's cancer. Or, or maybe it's a, a loss of a loved one, or maybe it's a financial hardship, especially during this time. 
And, and people say, you know what, with all these sicknesses or, or terrible circumstances, if you would just have enough faith, if you, if you would just uh, be in a place where you would just claim on to a promise, something that you have just pulled out of thin air that you really want in your life, that's not the promises that we're talking about in the Bible. That is a good prayer. That is something for us to go to and, and for us to long for and to know that God could hear our prayer. But Joseph had a promise, and that promise didn't come from his own idea. That promise came from God. And so his brothers laughed at that promise. He was hated because of this promise. He was, and because of his love that his, his, because of the love that his daddy had for him, he was hated by his brothers. His brothers sold him into slavery. He was accused. When he's sold into slavery, he's accused of sexual abuse. Uh, uh, the person that he was working for, uh, the, uh, the wife, accused him of something that he did not do. He was also now an innocent man in prison because of this. And Genesis 39 says, but the Lord was with Joseph. And it says that, and he was showing him mercy. I mean, can we just... All these troubling things are happening, and in right in the midst, it says that God is the one showing Joseph mercy during this time. And, and, and it says again, it says that the Lord was with him, and it says while he was in this place, in this horrible place, in this horrible situation, that whatever Joseph did, that the Lord made it prosper. And so, so many times, if we would examine that in our own, in our own daily lives, that we find ourselves maybe in a, in a job that we don't absolutely love. Or maybe we find ourselves in a situation that we found ourselves in that, that we really didn't want to be in. And through that whole process, what is, really, what is God really up to? Has God really forsaken us? Has God really left us aside? Or maybe is God preparing us for something? And so as we see this, even later on, even through this, he's still getting betrayed. The king of Egypt's butler, the baker... And all these things are happening until just the right time to have God. Yes, all this is happening in Joseph's lives, but everything else is happening in Egypt and in the rest of the world. For at the right time when everything was in order, Joseph was remembered. God put it in these people's uh, and, and right in front of Pharaoh's uh, servants to remember Joseph's name and to, to say Joseph's name to the Pharaoh. And when they did that, Pharaoh brought in Joseph and he put Joseph in control. And then you know the rest of the story as he is again revealed later to his brothers. And so uh, Joseph later on is, is there in Exodus uh, chapter 45. So it says, so when he reveals himself to his brothers. So now it was not you who sent me here to Egypt and to be sold into slavery. He says, but it was God. And he says, he has made me a father to Pharaoh. And then later on, on his deathbed, uh, it, it tells us that he, he says to his brothers, he says, uh, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And so through this whole process, we also see this in the life of Job of how so much, uh, so many things were happening to him. And yet God is just preparing him. God is doing this in the life of Joseph to be able to raise him up. And my question to us before we move on to the next point is how long would we have lasted? When would we have thrown in the towel in the place of defeat and discouragement? When, when we don't see the results when we really expect it, we begin to really lose sight, don't we? We need to trust God in our journey. The question is, what is God preparing me for? 
sometimes he doesn't tell us. I can think about in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter uh, chapter one, verse five. And you've heard this a lot during everything that's going on with this uh, pandemic that uh, people have said so many, so many people have said, you know what it, it was. And I shared this actually a few weeks ago that Billy Graham had said this exact verse in Habakkuk chapter one, verse five. He says, uh, God tells the prophet Habakkuk, he says, you wouldn't believe me, though it were told to you. He wouldn't believe me if, if God told us right now what is happening in this world. He says, he says right now, you wouldn't even believe me all the things that I am doing and creating during this moment. Maybe it's a time of, of hardship. Maybe it's a time that you're really being able to refocus some things in your life. We've been able to do that even as a church. But whatever God is doing, we need to trust God in this journey. We need to be able to lean into him to know what he's doing, that he's doing it for our good and that we would step in his timing and in his steps. Abraham was told told, and uh, that he was going to have a son and you, re you remember he tried filling in the pieces and he got him in some trouble in Genesis chapter 16 of how he said, well, maybe God wanted us to do this. And then he got, him, got himself into a mess. And so as we're in our journey, I pray that we would just trust in the Lord, that we would trust in the preparation that God has for us. Now, let's look at the promise. Okay, so as we have talked about God is with us, God is also with David here in the promise. And, and he tells us, he just told David in verse 13 that he was anointed with oil and the spirit had come upon him. And then... and. What, what happens afterwards, again, we already said this, that he goes back and, and he starts tending his sheep. I believe that is where God led him. And he doesn't get ahead of God, as we said. He waits for the Lord. He waits for God's next instructions. And all these things happen to David. God used another person, as we said, to remember his name. And then as we see here, as we read just a few minutes ago in verse, in, in verse uh, 20, that you see, you see not only David, but Jesse, uh, David's dad, pays respect to the king Saul. And, and so does David. Knowing full well that David was the anointed king of Israel, they still showed respect to authority where, the, where that, even though that person really didn't deserve it. And so in the promise, they were still living in this promise that David was going to be king. But I love in the preparation, and I've heard this said before, and I don't have this in my notes, but I'm going to go off, off of memory, that if you're not willing to be under that kind of authority, you need to be under an authority and, be sum, uh, and, and submit to authority if you, if you ever want to be over that, over that situation. In other words, to be in that place of leadership, uh, you need to first humble yourself to be a, a, a servant in order first to, uh, to be later on to be a leader. And so you see this in the life of David, of how he is submitting himself to the king. And later on, he's going to want that same submission, that same respect from the nation. So you see a beautiful picture here of humility. 
David learned so much by tending the sheep. He learned how to fight off the enemy of the sheep. He learned to care for the sheep. It says that if, if you know, just as Jesus told the, told the story later on, as the 99 that are there with you and the one is lost, that you go after the one. You go to tend for that sheep. You go to care for it. You go to fight off the enemy and to protect that sheep. He learned so much from Saul of the good things that Saul was doing. And he learned the daily routine of what uh, Saul was doing, but he also saw the bad that he was doing of things to stay away from. The promise was always there, but David just needed to continue to trust God. In God's timing, he was making David king. I pray that we would trust in the promises that God has for us, but you see in trusting in the promise, I think David learned not to ask his servants. And I think this is huge. I think this is big. David learned not to ask his servants or a nation to do, do anything that he wasn't willing or had already done himself. Was he willing to do it? I, I think about the, the conversations that, that Jake and I constantly have as far as our church. Is that something that we want to lead our families? Is this the direction that we think is best? Is this the, the things, is this something I'm asking someone else to do that I'm not willing to do myself? If I'm asking someone else to live this certain way, am I living this way? And I believe we see that in the promise of, of that David has that on his life, that David is putting himself in this great place, not only in preparation, but also in the promises of God. And I think about the promises that God had given in the Old Testament of Abraham in Genesis 12. He says, I will make you a great nation. It didn't look that way. It didn't look that way at all. And we know that God accomplished that. I, I think of this great story and we're almost done this morning. I think of this great story in Joshua uh, chapter three, Joshua chapter three, we see the Jordan river is before the children of Israel. And that Jordan River, we could really get into a whole nother sermon to really to really preach and, and to see what that really meant for the nation of Israel and really how it's a good picture for in our lives as far as the abundant life. He says, he tells uh, Joshua, God tells Joshua, he says, in this situation in Joshua chapter three, he goes, I will exalt you, Joshua. He says, I will be with you. You will be no, uh, uh, you will know that the living God is among you through this situation. The priests were to go in with the Ark of the Covenant and the waters were going to pull back on both sides. And the children of Israel were able to walk through on dry land just like the children of Israel did years before in the Red Sea. And he says, just as I established Moses, I am establishing you as king. And so the promises that God had for Joshua during this time and Joshua being lifted up before the Lord and all Joshua had to do, God was with him and he just needed to follow the footprints and follow the instructions from God. So now in our closing and we're done, what is God preparing you for? Are you being led by the Lord? As I've talked to people this week, I talked to a person earlier in the week that they were not having any income come in besides maybe some maybe some government assistance but i'm talking about week in and week out that the husband had not had lost their job and that the husband it, it may be the end of may or june before another job is available 
and a place of really leaning in and just trusting the Lord during difficult situations. I, I see another family this week who is just going through a horrible sickness. And we could, on the outside, look in and just, you know, say, have more faith or and try to encourage in such a, such a way. But, you know, when it's really hits home with us and we're dealing with those situations, are we really being led by the Lord? Are we really leaning in? Are we really seeking him for comfort, for strength, for encouragement? I sure hope so. What are some promises maybe that God has given to you? That you just need to be faithful in, the, in this place of encouragement. You can go through in scripture and find so many promises that God has for the believer. That God will not leave you nor forsake you. That God is with you. That you just need to trust in him. What is God, how is he maybe trying to raise you up for something even better? And are you willing to be humbled to be lifted up? And so as we, as we look at this last verse, in verse 23, and it says, And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, this troubling spirit, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and his distressing spirit would depart from him. And so you see Saul as a wounded king and in his distress you see God has given him a person to really try to encourage him and so if we're out of the will of God or if we just don't feel like God is nowhere around to know that God is bringing people maybe it's this message into your life for you to see the light for you to be encouraged that to know that God, even in a place of trying to show you discipline, is trying to show you love. And so David, even in this place of doing this for Saul, God is preparing him, but he's also being an encouragement to someone else. That he's being a help to someone in need. And so for us, I pray we find ourselves in this story. I pray that we would see a place of encouragement. And I'm going to read these verses and, I, and, I, and I'm done this morning. Psalm 18, and just a couple of verses. Psalm 18, verse 1 says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God and my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. He tells us here, I will call upon the Lord. In verse 6, he says, In my distress, this is David speaking, I called upon the Lord, and cried out to my God, and he heard my voice from his temple. And my cry came before him, even to his ears. Continuing on, verse 17, he says, He delivered me from my strong enemy, when Saul pursues him later, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. And he tells them in verse 27, for you will save the humble people, but will bring down haughty looks. And the last one in verse 30, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. 
and he is a shield to all who trust in him. And I pray, church family, that we just really lean in and trust in the Lord this morning. I want to pray for us one last time, and then we'll be dismissed. Lord God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you so much, Lord God, for who you are. Lord, I pray we find ourselves in a place of trusting you. As our church family is scattered abroad, and there's people that will watch this from all over the place. I pray, Lord God, that this would be a message, that this has been a message of learning to just lean in and trust you. You can be trusted, Lord God. And I pray that we would do that this morning. I pray for someone this morning who has never trusted you as their personal Lord and Savior. I pray that they would look to you. They would ask you for forgiveness of their sins in their way that they have gone and that they would trust you with their life. I pray for Christians this morning and our Cross Point family that we would constantly be living in this place of trust in the Lord, that he's good and that, Lord, you want to show us the way. And I pray that we would live in that place this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, church family.